How many are happy to be in God's house this morning? Can you say amen? How are we sounding out there? Sounds like there's like echo or reverb on my voice or something. Why don't you give me the, uh, the exhort mic? Because uh, we don't even know how to fix that. We, 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 this is, there we go. Yeah, I had to change because we don't even know how to fix that. All of our sound folks are still out. Thankfully, a good friend of our family, Wayne Cross, is here to pinch hit. He don't even go to this church, and he's serving us today out of the goodness of his heart. How many are happy to be in God's house this morning? Can you say amen? This is part five of our Power to Produce Wealth series, part five. This is a six-part series, which means that next Sunday we are bringing this in for a landing. Let me tell you why this series is so important to me. This series is important to me because for years and years and years, we've talked to the people of God about sowing, but we haven't talked to the people of God about reaping. We've talked to the people of God about giving to God, but we haven't talked to the people of God about receiving from God. And what we tend to do is belittle receiving, but embiggen giving. You know what the word embiggen means? It's a perfectly cromulent word. It means to make bigger. And we tend to magnify our responsibility to give to God, but minimize our opportunity to receive from God. How many know that that would not work with your children? I mean, what, I mean, think about it. if we taught parents, here's what you need to do. You need to emphasize to your children that they have an obligation to give to you. Yeah. But whenever it comes to you giving to them, just belittle that. Just, you know, they just need to be patient and wait. Yeah. As parents, we think the opposite. I have a greater responsibility to provide for my child than my child has to give to me. Yeah. But in the kingdom of God, we think we have a great responsibility to provide for Jesus in giving our tithes and offerings. And uh, that light is blinding, isn't it? My goodness. I wish there was a way to, I'm going to take those down or something. I, we couldn't figure it out. We're working on stuff, folks. Praise the Lord. But what we want to talk about this year is how to receive. Because there's no way God will rob you. And taking your tithes and offerings, but not providing for your needs. Will a man rob God? We know that ain't right. But the question is, will God rob a man? And for some reason, we tend to believe, I know I can't rob God, but it's okay for him to rob me. And that's, that's, that's not God. That's not the kingdom. That's not how it works. All right. So we're going to read a passage of scripture this morning in the book of 1 Kings chapter 3. We're going to talk about Solomon. We're going to talk about Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning at verse 5. This is just after Solomon became king. This is the beginning of his rule, beginning of his reign. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night, and God said, ask, what shall I give you? Let's just pause right there. God appears to you in a dream yeah. and says, ask, what shall I give you? Yeah. Ask me for whatever you want. And the answer is yes. God says, I'm declaring a yes day. Yeah. 
Whatever you want, the answer is yes. Solomon literally could have asked God for whatever he wanted at that moment, God would have said, Won't there it is? Now let's see what Solomon asked for. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child, and I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, which you could have asked for, nor have asked riches for yourself, which you could have asked for, nor have asked the life of your enemies, which he could have asked for, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Verse 15. Then Solomon awoke. And indeed, it had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. Solomon does not ask for wealth. Solomon does not ask for long life. Solomon asks for wisdom. And because Solomon asked for wisdom, he gets wealth and he gets long life. And there is a principle to be discerned in this story of the birth of the rule of Solomon. That wealth in the kingdom of God is never something to be sought directly. That wealth will elude you if you seek it directly. One of the Proverbs of Solomon, by the way, says, cast but a glance at riches and they take wings and fly away. Meaning if you focus on on, on wealth, if you focus on building wealth, you lose wealth. But if you focus on wisdom, you gain wealth. You want wealth, seek wisdom. You seek wealth, you lose both wisdom and wealth. Seeking wealth is the path to anxiety. Seeking wisdom 
is the path to wealth. This was the paradigmatic experience in the life of King Solomon. Because he goes on from there to write the book of Proverbs. And what is the fundamental premise of the book of Proverbs? What is his central message? The central message of the book of Proverbs is that wisdom is greater than everything. I'm going to read you a couple of passages here. Proverbs 3, 13 through 18. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Wisdom and understanding are more valuable than rubies, more valuable than gold. Now watch this, verse 16. Length of days is in her right hand. Whose right hand? Wisdom's. She holds the key to long life. Length of days is in her right hand. In her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. And happy are all who retain her. Length of days is in her right hand. Wealth and honor is in her left hand. If you directly seek long life, you lose it. This is the principle of Jesus, right? Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he shall find it. (laughs) Literally, Jesus is saying, you want to find your life, lose it. And Solomon is saying, you want to find wealth, forget it. Seek wisdom. Because if you seek wisdom, along with wisdom comes long life, wealth, and honor. Now we got to go over to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs 9, 10, 11 is what it says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You want wealth, you need wisdom. You want wisdom, you need the fear of the Lord. Without the fear of the Lord, there is no wisdom. And without wisdom, there is no kingdom, wealth, and honor, or long life. So you got to start with wisdom. But in order to start with wisdom, you need the fear of the Lord. Now we got to talk about this. What is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is the understanding that I must deal with God above everyone and everything else. It is the knowledge that my life is lived before God from my very first breath to my very last breath. I am standing before God. Everything I do is laid bare before God. And taking that seriously, that is the fear of the Lord. Living in the acute awareness of that, that is the fear of the Lord. See, I started talking, I think I started talking to you about responsibility last week. Did I? Did I? I can't remember. I was talking about responsibility, how responsibility is living in the knowledge that your life affects other people. And I realized that that's a primary growth area for me, specifically in the realm of my weight and my physical health. My wife and I went on a hike the week before last. And she said to me, when I see you eating unhealthy food, the first place my mind naturally goes because she's an Enneagram 6. 
is I start thinking, if he dies, what am I going to do? I see you eating unhealthy food. I extrapolate that forward. That means an early death. And if you die an early death, I'm left to take care of Alathea. So I'm thinking, I'm already creating a contingent plan in my head for your death. That's what it does to me when I see you eating unhealthy food and not caring about your physical health. That was like a sock to the stomach, like a punch to the gut. The way I eat, the way I live my life affects more than me. And responsibility is living in the acute awareness that the decisions that I make directly affect my wife and my daughter. Now, don't get me wrong. I went home and I ate some donuts and cereal that very night because I still need to get saved. God is still working on me. But then I got on my knees and I cried out to the Lord and I begged him, please give me responsibility, a sense of responsibility. A sense of responsibility means living in the acute awareness that every decision I make affects my wife and my daughter, meaning I'm not just living for myself, but I'm living for them. The fear of the Lord takes it a step higher. The fear of the Lord means living in the awareness that I'm responsible, not just to my wife, not just to my daughter, not just to my church, not just to my family, not just to my community. I am ultimately responsible to God for every breath that I take, every thought that I think, every action, everything I do is before God. That is the fear of the Lord. And we tend to think of the fear of the Lord as an emotional thing. You just wake up, oh, I'm scared to death. Oh, that's the fear of the Lord. Oh, no, that's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is ultimate responsibility. It is knowing that I am ultimately responsible to God, that I must give an account for every thought, for every word, for every action. It is all laid bare before God. I can't hide from him. And when I stand before him, I can give him no excuses. That is the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Meaning when you wake up in the morning and live in the consciousness of the fact that your entire life is lived before God. That is the foundation for living a life of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2. Solomon is offering the gift of wisdom to his son. And he says, my son, if you would receive my words and hide my commands within you. Inclining your ear to wisdom. The first thing Solomon is saying is that if you want wisdom, you got to listen to my words. Wisdom comes to you through my words. So receive my words. Hide my commands within you. Incline your ear to wisdom, which means to listen at a higher level and apply your heart to understanding. When you come into the house of God and you hear the word of the Lord, if you are living in the fear of the Lord, you will incline your ear to wisdom. You're not simply listening to see if it's good or not. You're not simply listening to see if there's a good amen in there or not. You're inclining your ear and you're listening for wisdom. You're asking the question, is there anything in this message that gives me a key to living at a higher level of awareness of the presence of God in my life, of awareness of my ultimate responsibility to him? Is there anything in this message that's going to help me live more consciously before God every day of my life. I'm listening for wisdom because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then it says the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Understanding comes through the knowledge of the Holy One, which means that literally wisdom and understanding come through living in the presence of God. You know, we talk about the presence of God. We're a charismatic church. We love the presence of God the power of God, the glory of God. And when we talk about that, you know, it's like, ooh, presence, ooh. 
the Pemba, Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. You know, that's the presence. It's like, ooh, yeesh, whoosh. You just feel that whoosh, that glory. Do you know what the key to the presence of God is? The fear of the Lord. Because we live outside of his presence all week long. We don't give a thought to our ways or the fact that all of our ways are laid bare before God. And then we want to get slain in the spirit on Sunday. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, what the fear of the Lord did for Solomon was it made him aware that when God said, ask me for whatever you want, the repercussions of that encounter far exceeded his personal life. For some reason, Solomon was made aware in that moment that how I answer this question affects everybody, not just me. You see, when I like I went outside and I wanted a donut so bad this morning. (laughs) But yesterday morning, I restarted my keto diet. And I'm asking the Lord now every day, help me to live in in the awareness of the fact that everything I put in my mouth affects more than just me. Because all I think about is how good it's going to taste to me. Help me to live in the awareness that every decision I make affects everybody. Solomon, at this moment, when God says, ask me for whatever you want, somehow a gift of wisdom was given to him in that moment to know that what I want affects everybody. He thought as a leader, not as an individual. As a leader, not as an opportunist. Because number one, if you live in the fear of the Lord and you know you live before God, then you also know that the way you relate to everybody affects the way you relate to God. Meaning that when I stand before God, he's not just going to ask me about me. He's going to ask me about you. He's going to ask me about how I related to you, how I responded to you, how I treated you, how I spoke to you. He's going to ask me. He's going to speak to me. He's going to hold me accountable for the effect of my life. On all of y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow Solomon was awakened to this as a young man. Yeah. I better be careful how I answer this question. What do you want? Because mm-hmm. I have to give an account at the end of my life for what I want. Yeah. Yeah. And he realized, you know what I want? I want to do this right. Mm-hmm. You know what I want? I want to live right. You know what I want? I want my relationships to be right. You know what I want? If I have any type of leadership or influence, I want to do that right. I want to do that in a way that builds people up and doesn't tear them down. I want to do that in a way that strengthens and doesn't discourage, that encourages, that empowers and doesn't disempower. I want to do that in a way that I can stand before God and hear himself say, well done, you good and faithful servant. See, this is not just about people who have positions of authority. Because the moment you step into the arena of wealth building, you become a leader. There is no such thing as a person of wealth who is not also a person of influence. Which means to build wealth means to build leadership. And that means that the moment you step into the arena of wealth building, you increase the level of divine scrutiny. That your life is going to, that's going to be applied to your life. 
Because now you've got to give an account to God about the way you treat people. And the way of the world is to build wealth by destroying people. To build wealth by exploiting people. To build wealth by taking from people more value than you give to people. Just think, one of the examples that comes to my mind immediately is this whole payday loan scam. That's one of the most wicked things. One of the most wicked things and detestable things. You take people who are living on the brink of poverty, who need an injection of cash right now, and you charge them such an exorbitant amount of interest for that infusion of cash that they are now enslaved to you for the foreseeable future. So you use their situation of poverty to increase your personal wealth. You're going to have to give an account to God for that. And if it's all about building wealth, then exploiting people is okay to you. But if it's about building wisdom, then God shows you how to build wealth by building people instead of tearing people down. But it takes wisdom. It takes wisdom. So Solomon, he says, if I ask for wealth, You'll give me wealth, but I might destroy people in the process. Mm. If I ask for success, you'll give me success, but I might tear people down in the process. But you know what? If I ask for wisdom, I may not get wealth, but I'll build people. I'll make people better. Mm. The people who come around me are going to be better for coming around me. I'll serve people. I'll give people something that they've never had before. When people come into my presence, they're going to taste something that they've never tasted before. And what Solomon didn't realize is that that is the very key to building wealth because building wealth is done by solving problems. You remember the queen of Sheba came all the way over because she heard about his wisdom. And when she came to see his wisdom, she saw his wealth. And she said, I've heard of your wisdom, but the half has never been told. She stood in his presence and she said, how happy your servants must be to stand in your presence. Why? Because they get to hear your wisdom. You're feeding them something that nobody else gets. They get to receive something that nobody else receives. Why? Because you stood in the presence of God and asked for wisdom. If you're a boss in any way, if you're a supervisor, if you have leadership over people, you need to be asking God for wisdom every morning. Ask God for wisdom every night. Ask God for wisdom every day so that you can stand before God with the confidence to know that I fed the people who served with me. I spoke into their lives. I encouraged them. I built something in them. My clients didn't just pay me. They received from me. I gave them more value than they gave me. I I fed them. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. I better be careful how I treat you because God is watching. That's the fear of the Lord. I better be careful what I take from you because God is watching. That's the fear of the Lord. I better be careful what I speak about you because God is watching. That's the fear of the Lord. That's the fear of the Lord. And that's the beginning of wisdom. And if I live in that fear of the Lord, I live in wisdom. And if I live in wisdom, long life is in her right hand and wealth and riches and honor are in her left hand. 
That's why she's of greater. That's why she's of greater value than rubies. Yeah. Because she's got all the rubies. Yeah. Yeah. She's of greater value than gold. Because she's got all the gold. (laughs) Through wisdom, the house is built. Through understanding, it is established. And through knowledge, it's filled with rare and precious things. uh, Proverbs 8 is one of my favorite. When wisdom speaks of the creation of the world. And she says, I was there when he created the heavens and the earth. When he stretched out the sky. And wisdom says, there I was the craftsman at the side. Literally, you want to talk about building, creating, producing. Remember, we said in the beginning of this series that the power to produce well is the power to create, that that word produce means to create. When God created the heavens and the earth, that same Hebrew word is used there to produce wealth, to create wealth. You want to talk about God's creative power. God's creative power functions through God's wisdom. Wisdom said, I was the craftsman at his side. And if you get some of me, I'll be at the, I'll be the craftsman at your side. If you get some of me, the same wisdom that God used to create the heavens and the earth, that wisdom will operate in you, in your home, in your company, in your school, in all of your endeavors. The wisdom of God, the creative wisdom of God will function in your life. Come on, somebody. This is why Jesus said, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? You see, when you're walking in the wisdom of God, you have no fear. No fear of lack. No fear of loss. No fear of deprivation. When you're walking in the fear of the Lord and you know that your God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory, you're not worried about somebody cheating you or somebody taking something from you. Nobody can take from me when my God is giving to me. Nobody can rob me when my God is providing for me. Nobody can diminish me when my God is increasing me. Nobody can hide me when my God is lifting me up. Come on, somebody. Woo! Do not worry, Jesus says. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? The Gentiles worry about those things. Folks who don't know me worry about those things. Folks who don't have the fear of the Lord, they're not aware that they're living before God. And so everything's on them. Everything's on me. And so they worry. They worry because they're the source of their own provision. But when you're walking with me, you're not the source of your own provision. I'm the source of your provision. And the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to me. When you're walking with me, you don't lack any good thing. Because I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. When you're walking with me, you consider the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin. But yet, not even Solomon in all his wisdom was adorned as one of them. Hallelujah. Do not worry. But you, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God in his righteousness. And all of these things, all of these things will be added to you as well. All of these things. Why? Because when you seek wisdom, long life and riches and honor come with her. If you get wisdom, you get rubies. If you seek rubies, you lose everything. 
Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom to serve people. That's what Solomon said. Look at this great people of yours. I'm just a child. I don't know how to come in and go out. I don't know what to say to them. I don't know how to lead them. Show me how to lead them. I've got an authority, but I don't have wisdom to match that authority. I've got a responsibility, but I don't have the knowledge to match that response. You realize that what Solomon was literally saying is, I don't feel qualified for the job that I got. I just got a promotion and I'm not qualified for it. Listen, if you've ever got a promotion, if you've ever got a job that you don't feel qualified for, you're right in Solomon's place. That's where Solomon was. I'm not ready for this. I'm too young. I don't have the experience. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the technical skills to be king over the people of God. Solomon said, these are your people, Lord. You hear what Solomon said? Look at this great people of yours. And I've been given the task of being their leader, of being their king. You've got to help me, God. You've got to give me wisdom. You've got to give me understanding. You've got to give me a discerning heart. And you've got to give me the ability to know the difference between good and evil, right and wrong. Give me a discerning heart. Give me a discerning heart. If you've got kids, you need to be praying the prayer of Solomon every day. I don't know how to raise these kids. (laughs) Half the time, I don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) Give me a discerning heart. Give me a discerning heart. Give me a discerning heart. Teach me how to go in and come out. That's it. The speech pleased the Lord. I remember reading this passage as a little boy and just thinking, that was so cool that Solomon got to experience that. Lord, give me that choice. But then immediately I would think in my mind, but it's too late. Solomon already did it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, the Lord's like, yeah, you already know the answer. It's not a real test for you. But then you get to the book of James. Chapter one. What is it? Verse five. Let me just make sure. Yeah. Five through eight. James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Who gives to all men freely without finding fault. And it will be given to him. Let me tell you what James is literally saying. there. Be like Solomon. Yeah. Yeah. Do like Solomon. Listen, this is literally what James is saying is God's not done doing that. This situation was not unique to Solomon. God gives all of us that choice. God gives all of us that opportunity to do like Solomon. Mm. To be like Solomon. Ask for wisdom, Solomon. But there's two prerequisites. Number one, You've got to have the humility to recognize that you lack it. Hmm. Wow. If anyone lacks wisdom, the reason most of us never ask for wisdom is because we're not aware of the fact that we lack it. (laughs) We think of ourselves as wise. If you've never asked God for wisdom, you think of yourself as wise. You're proud. Read Proverbs 2, as I talked about earlier. 
He says, my son, if you receive my words, hide my commands within you, incline your ear to wisdom, and apply your heart to understanding. And he goes on to say, and I, I, I memorized this in the King James Version when I was a kid. I still hear it in the King James Version. Yea, if thou criest out after knowledge, if thou liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures. Do you hear that? You know that you're aware of your lack of wisdom when you start crying out for it. When you start lifting up your voice for understanding. Not just like a meditative prayer. God, give me wisdom. No. Yea, if thou criest out after knowledge, if thou liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hidden treasures, literally, you start digging for wisdom. You start searching for wisdom. And when you're searching for hidden treasures, you need a map. The Bible is your map. And you're all up in the map every day looking for where the wisdom is, looking for where X marks the spot. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. Literally, Solomon is saying to his own son, and by extension to everyone who would read the Proverbs of Solomon, You should ask for what I ask for. You should pray the same prayer that I pray. Because if you ask for what I ask for, if you seek what I sought, if you pray the same prayer that I pray, God will give you what he gave me. That's the premise of the book of Proverbs. And there's two dudes in the book of Proverbs that exemplify the antithesis of that principle. One of them is called the fool. And the other one is called the lazy man or the sluggard. The sluggard and the fool. The only difference between the wise man, the sluggard, and the fool is that the wise man seeks wisdom. The fool thinks he's already got it, so doesn't seek it. And the sluggard is too lazy to seek it. But the wise man seeks wisdom. Yeah. This is what God is looking for today. Amen. The heart of Solomon. Yeah. The heart of Solomon. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all men freely without finding fault. I love that part. I'm so glad James put that in there. Without finding fault. Meaning when you come to God and ask him for wisdom, he doesn't say, well, let me point out all the mistakes you've made. Let me show you why your current situation is your own fault. Mm -mm. He just says, come to me, my son. Come to me, my daughter. You need wisdom? I'm so glad you finally realized that. But then James says, let him ask him. Nothing doubting. You see, we know we need faith to pray for healing. We know we need faith to pray for miracles. We know we need faith to pray for financial breakthrough. But we don't always come to grips with the fact that you need faith to pray for wisdom. What does faith to pray for wisdom look like? 
It means that you are hitting a wall and all hell is breaking loose, but you get on your knees and say, God, I need wisdom and I believe you're going to give it to me. I know you're going to show me the answer to this problem. I know you're going to show me how to pick the lock to this door. I know that you know the way forward. I'm praying in faith, believing that you're going to give me wisdom. You're going to show me how to do this. I know I feel trapped, but I'm not trapped. I know I feel stuck, but I'm not stuck because you're not stuck. And if you're not stuck and I'm with you, I'm not stuck. I'm not lost because you're not lost and I'm with you. So, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. You got a financial problem? God, give me wisdom. The problem is if you seek wealth directly, you're expecting God to just drop it out of heaven. God is not dropping wealth out of heaven, but he'll give you wisdom and he'll show you how to go get it. And he'll show you how to go get it by serving people. Bow your heads. Let's pray. It's good enough. Father, I thank you that you're in the business of giving wisdom. You've got so much wisdom in store for your people. You've got a surplus of wisdom. But we have a deficit of desire. You've got a surplus of wisdom. But we've got a deficit of seeking your face. Father, I pray today name of the Lord Jesus. That you would overcome our deficit of desire. And that you would replace it with a passion pursuit. I pray today that we would begin to cry out after this. That we would begin to lift up our hearts, our voice for understanding. That we would seek them as soon. That we would search for them as for good treasures. And I thank you for your promise that if we do, we're going to find the fear of the Lord. We're going to find the knowledge of God. The Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. The Lord gives wisdom. When wisdom enters into your heart and discretion, knowledge becomes pleasant unto your soul. Discretion shall preserve you. Understanding shall keep you. Lord, let wisdom enter into our hearts. In another place, Solomon says, eat honey, my son, for it is good. Honey from the honeycomb is sweet to your taste. Know also that wisdom is sweet to your soul. God, let wisdom come and be sweet to the soul today. I prayed in Jesus' mighty name. I want you to respond to this message right now before the Lord and just begin to seek him for wisdom. Just begin to cry out after knowledge. Just begin to lift up your voice for understanding. Just begin to seek them as silver and search for them as for hid treasure. That's what you need. That's all you need. There's a little wisdom from God. We turn to everybody else for help but God. We hit a, a, a rough patch. The first thing we think is, who can I call? I will call upon the Lord who is worthy of my praise. So shall I be saved from my enemies. I will call upon the Lord. He said, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. Just begin to respond to God right now. Just take a moment. God, we need wisdom today.
We cry out for wisdom. We lift up our voices for understanding. We seek them as silver. We search for them as for hid treasures. We want to understand the fear of the Lord. We want to find the knowledge of God today. I speak your blessing over your people today, God. Strengthen and encourage. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We just sense your presence here in this place. Thank you that there's breakthrough in the atmosphere. There's breakthrough in the atmosphere, and it's coming through the fear of the Lord. Thank you that the fear of the Lord is the key to your treasure. The fear of the Lord is the key to your treasure. You've got so much treasure, but we don't unlock it until we have the key. But today you're giving us the key, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We live before you, God. My life is laid bare before you. You see it all. Everything, every breath that I take, every thought that I think, every motive and intention of my heart. You are the one who searches the hearts. Nothing is hidden from your sight. Nothing is hidden from your sight. Lord, such knowledge would cause me to run from you, but God, today we run to you. The wisdom of God causes us to know this and then to run to you and not from you. We run to you today, God. We run to you today, God. We seek your face today, God. We seek your face today, God. We seek you with all of our hearts. Hallelujah. We give you all the glory. Just, just one more minute.